You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. There's been a question that's been going round and round my head this week, and I thought I'd share it with you. Um, Not that it's taken up loads of my headspace, but it just keeps coming back, and I shared it with a couple of the guys last Sunday, and uh, the question is this. Are there times that I need God more than other times? You don't have to answer it because it's been pondering my, my mind and in my heart for a whole week. But are there times that I need God more than other times? Because I feel that way. Sometimes I feel like there's times that I need God more. And uh, I remember Max Fetisov from Ukraine when he's um, spoken to us before. He's talked about hot spots. So those hot spots that you get in where you're like, oh God, I really need you to come through for me right now. When I remember my 30th birthday, I was due to go to Bali, fly out, visit my whole family. Ben was coming along. We were meeting Joe Madison there. And three days out, I realized my passport had expired. So everybody else was going to be there celebrating my 30th birthday. Without me, I was going to be here. And it sounds, you know, like a funny sort of story to remember, but I just remember the heart palpitations and that feeling of, oh my goodness. And so many prayers went up in that minute to God saying, oh my goodness, Lord, please, can you help me here? Because there's no way I'm going to get myself out of this. And, you know, he was so faithful in that time because there was one visa appointment or passport appointment left for the whole week at Australia House. I was able to get it, um, but they couldn't process it. It was going to be on the the day that we were going, that it would be processed. So I had to get Phil Callahan, who's actually here today. Welcome, Phil and Emma. Hi, Phil Callahan. I had to write this very official letter to say Phil could pick it up for me. He actually hand-delivered it to me at the airport when we were at the check-in desk. So it was one of those moments where you're like, oh God, yes, you have come through. But it certainly felt like I needed him in that time more than other times. But actually the reality of it is, I wonder if that's just my awareness of my need for God. When actually, I need God every single day and every single second of every day. And the reason that I've sort of been pondering this is I've been trying to think of examples of of other things that we're not really aware of that we need. So if I went like this, I'd probably quite quickly become aware of my need for breath. And yet... All of us are breathing right now, and we're probably not so aware of it. Some of us might find it a bit more of a struggle than others, but actually the reality is I need my next breath, whether I'm aware of it or not, because pretty quickly my life, as I know it, is going to cease to exist if I don't have oxygen. Uh, But it's only my awareness that gets heightened at times when you're pregnant and you get a massive belly and you try and walk up a hill or you're ill. Um, I had pneumonia earlier this year and I did realise my need for oxygen then when you're short of breath. And I think it's actually God's grace that allows us to live without really recognising our need for him every single day. Yeah? Because actually he's providing so many of my needs and meeting them One, without me asking for them, and two, without me thanking for them. Yeah? 
And while I was thinking all about this, I I was led back to um, Matthew chapter 6. And if you've got your Bibles, that's where we're going to be reading from today. It will be up on the screen. Um, And, uh, oh, we've gone through the whole thing. What are we? Yep. Matthew chapter 6. We're actually just going to look at a few verses from Matthew chapter 6. But the whole... The whole kind of title, if you like, of this message is that God knows what you need. Simple. (laughs) One of those simple things that you kind of go, yeah, all right. We're going to unpack it a little bit. But maybe you just need to hear that today, that God knows what you need. Whatever you feel like your need is today, he knows what it is. And there's a whole section in chapter 6. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount, and there's things about fasting and about treasures in heaven. But actually, today, we're going to focus on three parts of Matthew 6. We're going to focus on giving to the needy. We're going to talk a little bit about prayer, and we're going to talk about that section, which I keep coming back to, about not worrying. Okay? So let's read the verses that we're going to look at today. We're going to start in verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret." Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And if we skip down to verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then the last section, starting with verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, What you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm a worrier. I think I've probably said this to you before, that I... My tendency, I think, is to get a little bit flustered about things. Um, But I think I'm realizing I'm more of a short-term worrier, if that's a thing. So I I don't tend to worry too much about the future and, um, you know, where I'm going to be in five years, that kind of thing. But I worry day-to-day, I think, about things. I'm I'm probably more of an idealist in terms of the future. That's just going to take care of of itself. But today, I think my tendency is to get a bit worried. Um, it's, It's something that I feel like I need to plan for just in case this thing doesn't work out or I want to get all my ducks lined up so that I know that everything that could possibly go the way I want it to will. 
And uh, I hope I'm not the only one here that's worried. I'm probably more worried about putting my car in for an MOT than I'm worried about Brexit, to be honest. That's just me. <laughs> I'm going to put my hand up and say that. There's probably some people like that and others, thankfully, who, who do kind of cast more into the future. And I know this verse or this passage. I know it because it's, for me, something that I personally have to keep coming back to. Do not worry about your life. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I know it. Um, And I know that worrying doesn't add anything to my life. In fact, I think it robs me. I think it robs me of joy, generally. At the least, it makes me distracted because when I'm talking to people, I'm not fully present in that moment because I'm thinking about things and worrying. Um, And at the worst, I'm sweaty palms and, you know, getting a bit irritable and snappy. Uh, So I know that about myself. And I also know this verse, and I just can't seem to help it. But you know what the evidence from my life would say, if I look at it logically, is that God is faithful. I don't know about you, but even though I worry, and I know it doesn't add anything, usually a couple of days later I go, oh yeah, that's right, I was really concerned about that and worried, and it just seemed to happen okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, God's evidence of him being faithful is there in my life and and I kind of seem to know that but can't really help those worries that come in day to day and as I said God is consistently meeting my needs and I would say he's meeting yours too whether you ask him for those needs and whether you thank him for those needs daily can I get a few nods (laughs) yes absolutely And ever since I thought about this question that I've been pondering about whether I need him more sometimes than others, in the mornings I've really been trying, first thing, to wake up and say, God, I need you today. There's going to be things that I need you for that I don't even know about it. And thank you that you meet those daily needs without me asking you. And just simply taking a couple of seconds to to focus on that. And you know what? It's really helped. It really has because it's kind of like, okay, I can start the day not having to worry now. But there's actually another way that in this, this section, Jesus shows us that can help take the focus off our day-to-day tendency to worry. And it's there in verse 33. It goes beyond just saying don't worry and actually points in the direction that he would have us go, which is seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek my kingdom and my righteousness first and then all these things will be given to you as well. We've heard quite a bit about righteousness in the last couple of weeks. Um, been unpacking it in terms of the breastplate of righteousness. Paul came and talked to us about righteousness. And if you haven't had a look on the Brixham Church website, um, John's done a really helpful little video. And in that video, he talked about um, four aspects that he could see of God's righteousness. And they were faithfulness, compassion, judgment and salvation and I want to unpack a little bit of that compassion because I think that I can see that clearly in the verses in Matthew 6 okay if we go back to 
the first verse, first few verses, you can see in verse 2 it says, when you give to the needy. And just in case you miss it, it's there again in verse 3. When you give to the needy. This isn't really optional. It's not like a if you give to the needy. When you give to the needy. It's a, it's a given that if you're a believer, you will be giving to the needy. And I looked up what the word was here for needy. And it's actually not necessarily the people group because there are references in other places of scripture to the poor and to the needy. And that is a different word than what's used here. The word that's actually used here is more about generally being charitable, generous and compassionate. And we've also heard a lot about being compassionate recently, right? Who was here for Mike Robbins when compassion came? Wasn't he great? Amazing stories that he shared with us. And we had William, our very own William, come and talk to us about giving generously. Remember that? Yeah? <laughs> I wasn't here. I listened to it online, William. But, um, and then we had John talking about generous Jesus. So we've heard a lot about generosity and compassion recently. And God recognizes and has a heart for those who are most oppressed and the most needy in our world. It says so in Psalm 140, verse 12. I know that the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. And perhaps because we've been talking about these things a lot, I was really struck by the connection here in Matthew 6 of seeking God's kingdom first and having our daily needs met, but also how God upholds the cause of the needy. Because do you know what I believe here? God's meeting of other people's needs, his compassion, is often linked to our responsibility as a church. We're not talking about his ability, because he's the creator, he's the all-powerful, he has the ability to do anything he wants to do. I'm talking about the responsibility that we have as believers to bring salt and light to the earth. That's a mandate to, to give to the needy, as we see in this passage. There's no doubt about it. I don't think that we're called to be a compassionate people. And Mike Robbins, when he was here, I loved what he said. He said, a lot of the time, God's plan is us. God's compassion, his mercy and his generosity and his meeting of other people's needs is actually in the action that we take. And when I worry, particularly when I worry about my day-to-day -day needs, my focus, I know, is taken away from seeking his righteousness and his kingdom. Because that, that kind of comes first and it like usurps it, if you like. Oh, I got usurp in a sermon. <laughs> Can somebody give me a woohoo? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, when I worry, it takes my focus, I know, off seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first. But when I do seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, one of the things that happens, because lots of things happen when we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, you could literally go into a series of sermons on that, I'm sure, just about what kingdom and righteousness even are. But one of the things that happens when I seek him first is that I become more aware of the needs around me rather than my own needs. I don't know if that's just me. Anybody else 
feel that? When you seek his kingdom and, and what he wants and his righteousness and take the view off yourself and your daily needs, actually all of these other needs around you become evident. But hang on. I know a lot of people who are generous and compassionate, and they aren't necessarily Christians. So what's the difference here? I'm sure you all can think of somebody that you know who is amazingly compassionate um, and takes up the cause of those who are oppressed, but they don't do it because they know Jesus. I would say that God put that there anyway. Yeah? (laughs) That's in them because they're made in the image of God, but they don't do it on their own personally because they know Jesus. But I believe there are examples in the Bible that tell us that a lifestyle of generosity and compassion is very clearly linked to being spirit-filled. And I'll show you where I think we can see some of those. Oop, wrong way. No, it was the right way. (laughs) I'm thinking about the early church in Acts. So in Acts 2... What happened as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon the early believers? One of the first things that's mentioned in Acts 2 is that all of a sudden they had this tremendous ability to share and be generous. So you'll find it Acts 2.44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We see it again in Acts 4. So Peter and John have been in prison. They get released and it says that they go back to their own people. The Holy Spirit comes. And again, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. And then in Acts 6, the apostles are asked to choose some men to serve tables for widows. And it says that they, they say to the people, choose seven among you who are spirit-filled and full of wisdom. This is for waiting tables and giving food, distributing food. But they must be spirit-filled and full of wisdom. And so I kind of just pick up this theme here because at the end of that section, it says the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So I think there's a clear link here that I can see anyway with being spirit-filled, targeting generosity in the areas that, it's, that God is leading, and then people coming to Christ. It's, we can see that pattern happening And I know we aren't the early church. We don't live in each other's pockets. We don't meet every day. So there's certainly things that that don't reflect our culture. But this principle of seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness and out of that generosity flowing and people coming to Jesus, I think is one that we can take up. I'm not called to fill every need. I couldn't do it. My capacity is limited, as is yours. Thank goodness we're a body Thank goodness that we have lots of people out there fulfilling needs and being generous and being compassionate and being full of the Spirit. Now, there's a, a guy called Craig Rochelle. I don't know if you've heard of him, Craig Rochelle. He's a leader of a church in America called Life Church. 
and he does a series called Weird. And at the moment, our young people are going through this series, learning how to be weird, okay? And one of the sessions that he, he leads, he talks about um, getting to know what it, what's your thing, What's your thing that God is calling you to be passionate and on fire about? And he asks these three questions to help kind of guide you or, or in your prayer to guide you to, if you don't know this already, what God might be revealing on your heart. The first question is, what is it that breaks your heart on behalf of God? What is it that breaks your heart on behalf of God? The second is, what makes you righteously angry on behalf of God? And then the last one is, what is it that you care about that others don't? And when, he, when you ask those questions of yourself, you don't then get really fired up and go, well, why isn't anybody doing anything about this? Because actually, that's kind of the point of asking the question. <laughs> It's you, what breaks your heart, what makes you righteously angry, and what do you care about? And that, I think, gives you a really clear indication if you are praying those things to the Lord to reveal to you, to set you in a direction of where this compassion needs to go, where those needy people are that you can meet the needs um, that God's positioned you to meet. Has anybody heard of the Franciscan blessing? I'm looking at Dave Callahan. <laughs> he knows, of course he does. Be embarrassing if you didn't, Dave. <laughs> the Franciscan blessing is a bit of a dangerous one. Uh, it's a dangerous prayer to pray, it's a, and it's a dangerous blessing to give. I'm okay with danger. Everybody else? <laughs> um, the Franciscans are just an incredible people, the commitment that they have to poverty and to meeting needs. And I could never align myself with them. However, I want a bit more of what they have in my life. Um, I want to live a little bit more dangerously and step out a little bit more in the spirit and be a bit more generous and compassionate. And I'm going to just assume that you all do too, right? <laughs> You all do too. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes in a minute and I'm going to read this Franciscan blessing or the prayer of discomfort sometimes it's called. And I tried to find out where it came from and even on the Franciscan website you cannot find where it's come from. It's just kind of maybe just been word of mouth passed down over many, many years. Um, but maybe take these few moments as your eyes are closed to let the Spirit Speak to your heart about what is it, Lord, that breaks my heart on behalf of you? What is it that makes me righteously angry? What do I care about that nobody else does? And maybe you could lead me, God, into where you want me to be positioned to make a difference about this. And if you already know what that is, because some of you will be already out there doing this stuff, and I am so excited at that, and that's amazing. Um, and, and I just would maybe let this time the con continuing of the Spirit to lead you in that area that you're already in. So if you could just close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to read this. May God bless you with a restless discomfort about easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships, so that you may seek truth boldly and love deep within your heart. May God bless you with holy anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people, so that you may tirelessly work for justice, freedom, and peace among all people. 
May God bless you with the gift of tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, or the loss of all that they cherish, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and transform their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can really make a difference in this world so that you are able, with God's grace, to do what others claim cannot be done. The last section in Matthew 6 that I want us to look at is in verse 7. And it says, When you pray, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You know, I've cut out bits there. But when you pray, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And I kind of looked and thought, hmm, hang on, it's need to pray. Of course, we know why we need to pray. Because when you're in a relationship with somebody, you talk, you communicate. And uh, it's, it's about, partly about us ex- being able to express and be in touch with what it is that we even need. And the implication here is, I'm not trying to convince God to give me any of my needs. It says there, Don't pray like the pagans babbling because they think they will be heard because of their many words. I'm not trying to create some magic formulaic prayer that said just at the right time with the right words when I'm in right, I've had a really good day, you know, or when I'm in one of those hot spots and I'm like, please, 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 God. He knows everything. He knew that I needed him before I even knew that. So what's the truth here? The truth is that we are told to pray. Again, when you give to the needy, when you pray. It's a given. It's not even like a thou shalt pray. It's just a given. So when you pray, yeah, present your needs before God. He knows them anyway, so there's no need to go on and on about it. Yes, be persistent. If you're trying for a breakthrough and there's a situation that you haven't seen any change in, and yes, pray every day until that need is met. And I think there will be times where you'll need to fast and you'll, you'll need to weep and get emotional. Um, there will be seasons for that and seasons for spending hours in prayer. But on the daily who can do that? I can't. Again, there are some people who are called to that, that life, but on the daily, presenting your needs to him in a succinct, clear way in faith is enough. And Jesus, in the rest of this passage in uh, Matthew 6, gives us the prayer that we know so well. Yes, you could all recite it. I know I went to a Catholic school as a child and we said it every day. Um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Interesting there, seeking his kingdom first, his righteousness first. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And really interesting that then it goes on to say, for yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory. Again, your kingdom first, Lord. A simple, clear request for today that our needs be met. In the context of God's will being done, and I read something yesterday that said, the purpose of prayer is not to get our will done and to persuade God to give us what we want. The purpose of prayer is to get God's will done when we ask according to his will. And I think we see that in 1 John 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And I'm not underestimating here that turmoil that some people will be going through here, that you have asked and asked and asked for something in your life to change and that it is just turning your insides upside down because I know that some people are going through that. I'm not underestimating that. Um, I'm talking about our general tendency as humans to be more focused on and worry more about our day-to-day comings and goings than the kingdom of God and the needs around us. I'm putting my hand up and saying, that's me. You know, this, is, this was challenging for me to, to think about talking about this today. It's almost as if Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, stop, relax, don't worry, God knows what you need, continue to talk to him daily, but ultimately focus on his kingdom and on his righteousness and the people that he's waiting for you to touch through him. I've started reading this incredible book, The Heavenly Man. Anybody read that one about Brother Yun? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, And there's a section in here that I wanted to share with you. Um, If you haven't read this book, I would strongly um, encourage you to get a copy because it is encouraging but challenging at the same time. It's like really like, whoo, but also like, ooh. So... (laughs) um, I want to tell you the story about his, his whole family and how they come to accept Jesus. They all accept Jesus on the same day. And on that day, his father, who's been incredibly ill and on the you know, death's doorstep, is miraculously healed from cancer. Imagine that. Accepting Jesus, same day, healed from cancer. Pretty cool. But Brother Yun um, said, I didn't really know who Jesus was. I'd seen him heal my father and liberate our whole family. But this was during the Cultural Revolution in China and there were no Bibles. You couldn't find Bibles anywhere. So all he had in terms of his knowledge of Jesus was what his mother told him and his mother had never read a Bible either. And so he became really aware of his hunger to know more about Jesus and and who he was. And his mother had told him about this book, the Bible, and he thought, I want one of those. So him and his mother walk to a town nearby where there's an old man who used to be a pastor. And they go and knock on his door and say, I think you probably have a Bible, don't you? Well, can you imagine? He's kind of like, I'm not going to admit to having a Bible. He's fearful. And at that time, horrendous things were happening to Christians or anybody who had a Bible. So he says this, the Bible is a heavenly book. If you want one, you'll need to pray to God of heaven. God is faithful. He always answers those who seek him with all their heart. So brother Yun and his mother go back to their village. And he's only a youngster, like I say youngster, like he's early teens at this stage he brings a stone in from outside into his room and every day he kneels down and prays this prayer you ready for it lord please give me a bible amen that's his prayer every day he continued for one month and nothing happened a bible didn't suddenly appear so he goes back to the man he's getting a bit like come on i've prayed for a month every day And the man says, well, maybe you need to fast and you need to show God just how much you want this Bible. So for the next 100 days, he prays again for this Bible and he doesn't have anything to eat other than a tiny bowl of rice. This is a 
13-year-old, let's say. He's, he's early teens. And he says, looking back years later, that this whole experience was the most difficult thing he's ever endured. Huh? He was in jail and beaten and had gone through horrendous stuff as an adult. And yet he says that that period of time, waiting for this Bible to appear, praying and fasting was the, the most difficult thing he's ever endured. And the context here as well, when he's this 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid, is that his family have sold everything for his father's illness. So they have no money. They're begging for food every day. Their house has rain coming in. And um, in the summertime, it's so hot that they have to sleep outside. Couldn't there have been other things that he prayed for? His daily needs, yeah? He doesn't have shelter that's really appropriate. He doesn't have food. And yet he is completely focused on this Bible. He receives a vision after about 100 days in the middle of the night of three men who stop and one of them asks him if he's hungry and he says yes. So the man gives him some bread and he goes to eat it and it turns into a Bible. And he wakes up and he's like, oh my gosh. So he starts looking around the house. I'm sure that this Bible is somewhere, God. You've, you've told me in a vision it must be here. His parents wake up and think... He's gone a little bit insane. All of this fasting has really affected his brain. And they get, they get quite upset. So they all huddle together. And his father's saying, Lord, please don't let him lose his mind. And, and all of this. This is about four o'clock in the morning. And they hear a, a knock on the door. So he goes and he, no, doesn't open it. He goes and he says, are you bringing the bread to me? And the person says, yes, we have a bread feast to give you. And two men from his dream are outside with his Bible. How amazing is that story? I was just like, wow. But the most amazing part is this. I'm going to read it to you. Later, I found out the names of those two men. One was Brother Wang and the other Brother Sung. They came from a village far away. They told me about an evangelist who I'd never met. He had suffered terribly for the Lord during the Cultural Revolution and had nearly died while being tortured. About three months before I received my Bible, this evangelist had received a vision from God. He showed him a young man to whom he was to give his hidden Bible. In the village, he saw our house and the location of our village. Like many Christians at the time, the old man had placed his Bible inside a can and buried it deep in the ground, hoping a day would come when he could dig it up and read it again. Despite this vision, it took the evangelist a few months before he decided to obey what the Lord had told him to do. He asked two other Christian men to deliver it to me. They then walked throughout the night to reach my home. God had answered his prayer three months earlier when he had prayed for, for like 10 days or a month. <laughs> it just took the human part of that prayer three months to actually fulfill it. Isn't that amazing? Like, wow, he definitely does know what we need before we even ask for it. So I want to finish today um, by just opening up to anybody here who has a need, and not one of those daily needs that we worry about and we're told not to worry about, but any other type of need that really is one of those needs that you have been presenting over and over to God, or you just feel like, God, I really need you. It's one of those hot spots. 
And we are all part of a family here, and we all um, know how to pray for each other. We know that it doesn't have to be some amazing, overcomplicated prayer, um, that when we pray, Jesus knows what we need before we ask for it. And so I'm going to ask John to come up, and he's just going to play some music. And um, I would love it if, if that's you, um, you're going to do something brave and stand up. And the people around you are just going to place hands on you and we're going to pray together, if that's okay. Because we want to thank God that he already knows what we need and we want to thank him that he meets so many of our daily needs without us even asking for it. I'm, I'm trying to do that every day, like I said, trying, just to take 15 seconds or so in the morning to say, God, I need you today. I don't even know the half the needs that you're going to provide for me, and thank you for doing that. Um, but I am conscious that there will be some needs that people have here that are either physical needs for healing or financial needs um, for a breakthrough or a relationship that has um, deteriorated and you desperately want it to be what it was or be even better than what it was um, and yeah the brave thing to do is to stand up and be vulnerable but thank you Lord that we have the Holy Spirit in us that allows us to pray for each other and and in faith believe that God will move even today within those needs that we have thanks for listening for more information, visit brixham.church.